Welcome to the Creature Cast, the official console creatures podcast. I'm your host today, Steve Vagvari, and alongside me, special guest, one of two, but a very special guest nonetheless, my good pal, Court Lalonde. Court, how the heck are you? Long time no chat. Well, on a podcast, anyways. I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm doing really good. Uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, we're. we're we're kind of out of the ordinary right now, you know. Bobby is not here, Dave's not here, but I brought you, I brought you off the bench, brought you into the fold here because we we have a very special episode this uh, this week. Uh, we're going to be joined in a few moments by a Canadian icon, if you will. Some people may know him by as, as Survivor Man. I know him as Les Stroud. Uh, but we're yeah, we I had to bring you in because not only are you a avid PSVR two player and user, uh, but you are also, I think, one of the only people in my in my close circle that actually knows Survivor Man has watched Survivor Man. Uh, I'm sure even a lot of our audience doesn't even know who he is, but um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a special one. Yeah, it's it's interesting you said that because the amount of like my friends that I said that I was doing this, how they thought this was the greatest thing ever. I was yeah. like, yeah, they're like, ask him about when the Jaguar ran after him. I was like, ah. I like, you know, ask him how many times he almost died or like, yeah, <laughs> like I grew up watching it um, before going to like to the bar and all that kind of stuff. When I was in like my what was it 2007? Was it when it, I think 2007, something like that. It was way back in the day. Yeah, this is my 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 late 20s. But it was uh, many a great conversation around Survivor Man. And then I remember when all the other like copycat shows came out and we were all like nothing. No one could do it like last. No one can do it like him. Like these ones are not even close. Exactly. Yeah. And um, yeah, no. So there's a very specific reason why he's joining us on the show. It's not just because, you know, he's Survivor Man and a cultural icon in Canada, but no, it's because Survivor Man VR The Descent is out now on PSVR 2 and Quest headsets as well. Uh, we got a chance to kind of test it ourselves um, and and get through it. Uh, I don't know how much you've played court my, uh, myself. I've, I've probably put like around, I'm, I'm about halfway. I'm about halfway through the entire thing, even judging from the trophies itself, about halfway. Um, but yeah, essentially what the game is for people who don't know, uh, it's Survivor Man, the VR game. You're dropped into this, you know, survival situation and then Les Stroud appears to you to, to literally, you. Yeah, like a force ghost. He's there guiding you along the way. So you have to you yeah. know, craft your shelter, make fire, survive, um, and then eventually, you know, get out. Well, at least in the first uh, half of the game, you're you're trying to survive this, you know, out in the, the snowy mountains, uh, if you will, very near and dear to my heart being Canadian, you know. So uh, that, that one struck home uh, for me. But uh, yeah, yeah. Tell me about your... Uh, uh, you know, top level experience with the game so far. Well, I, I will say this, the, the Easter eggs from the TV show got me real quick. Um, for anybody who's watched the show, I, I don't want to, honestly, I don't want to give it away because it's like the first couple things that are said to you, you're just like, wow, that is literally like the TV show because he will mention these things every single episode. So when it happens, you're just like, oh my God. And then yes, the, the force ghost was actually pretty hilarious of him just being there. And you, you can't really walk around or anything like a lot of other VRs, but, the animation of him actually looks very well, mm -hmm. very well done. Like you can actually see him very crystal clear. I will say this, the fear of dying is real in this game, right? Because you can die so easily in this video game and it lets you know, you actually have like a, it's, it's not an Apple watch, but you can pull up the watch that's on your hand. You can see like your, your, your vitals and you can see when you're about to die, which I do appreciate. And they, they don't mess around. There is no difficulty settings. There's just, 
you're going to die if you don't do this properly mode. And I'll, I'll hand this to the team that honestly, it's just like the TV show, like anything it, they do make you feel like it is life or death. And I died a lot. Okay. I'm just going to say it. I died a lot. Had a really good time. I also really like the joke of picking up the kindling at the beginning mm-hmm. and what he says about that thing that can yeah. light on fire very yeah. quickly. I thought that was very cute. It was very well done. I, I lots, lots about the game are fun. It's a VR experience so far. So good. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought it was very good. I mean, I grew up with the show as well, uh, albeit I was, you know, in my middle school and leading into high school, definitely leading into high school. And it was kind of just one of those <laughs> things. Uh, yeah, I know the age gap between us, definitely. Uh, but no, it was one of those things, you know, you're watching that and uh, Man Tracker was another one. It was just like this, uh, you know, on Discovery, those types of TV shows where you're like, man, this guy's doing wild stuff. And I feel like... Um, Wes, who we'll, you know, we'll get in and talk about, but uh, his impact on like not only Canadian television, but like wilderness television as well has definitely been felt throughout, uh, you know, after the series ended in 2013. I mean, it ran for 81 episodes. He Every episode he's being, you know, dropped into these larger than life uh, survival scenarios and just kind of spending days just walking you through how he's going to survive this. And as a kid or like, you know, a young adult, I was like, wow. This is iconic, to say the least. I, I'm actually shocked on how close it is, the game to this. And I will say this, more games for PSVR 2, the better. Uh, here, here, just get me more games to play. And this one being so close to my heart, being such with a Canadian icon, as you said, a guy like, <laughs> honestly, it, it's crazy that I'm about to interview him. And it's to me, I, like, I had so many questions in my head and when we were going through everything and I said to Steve, Steve's got this list and I'm just like, I was more on the bottom list where I was like, I want to ask this, this, and this. It's just, it's so much fun. I'm so excited about this interview. And honestly, I'm so excited more games are coming to PSVR too. I just need more, just just more games, that's all. That, yeah. So I think without further ado, let's get Les in here. We'll talk to him about the game, his experiences, you know, the survival expert and everything else that he's been doing with his career because it's quite extensive. Um, so Espion. Exactly. We'll be right back uh, with Les joining us. So yes, uh, getting into it, I mean, uh, we both had a chance to to play uh, Survivor Man VR, The Descent. Uh, I, I'm just very curious, you know, you've conquered the figurative and literal mounds of television and music. What's it been like to get into this whole new venture that is video games? Oh, it's fun. And I think it's also been a long time coming. Um, you know, over the years, uh, there were varying opportunities to get involved in some kind of survival video game. And either they were they were so you know, badly funded that it would just be cheap and awful and look terrible uh, or, you know, required a ridiculous budget of $32 million or something like that. So there's never really a way to truly make it work where I could be satisfied. And so when this opportunity came up and to work with uh, my old partner, David uh, Brady at Creep Productions, it's like, okay, this is, this, this could work. These guys are focused in on this and it's a whole different way of doing things. And, uh, so it's uh, yeah, like I said, it became something that kind of needed to happen at some point. And, and VR almost perfectly lends to what everything about the game is. Like I would think uh, an older version, like from years ago, even when the show first was out, I don't know how they would have transcribed or made it feel like we actually were trying to survive, like we do in the video. Yeah, game. 
Well, that, and that's kind of the thing is the way I looked at it right from the start, I kind of, I don't refuse to call it a game. I get it. It's a game of gaming. But really, I look at it more like it's a, a simulation. Just the same way as for years, helicopter pilots would have to fly on simulators before they would get in a helicopter. It's a very, I think, uh, um, pardon the pun, it's a very similar situation uh, because uh, that's the way I approached it in terms of the knowledge and the and the information. As I, I didn't want this to be gamey and just, just a, a, you know, a fun ride. Let's make it... Uh, feel like a simulation. I was just curious, um, you know, you calling it a simulation, do you think that the advent of VR and how accessible it is kind of made it so that it was the right place, right time for you to jump in and kind of help start working on this project? Well, in some ways, uh, I, I almost want to kind of facetiously say everything is right place, right time, um, especially if you're patient. But yeah, it was right place, right time. Uh, you know, uh, You've got a company that is focusing in on VR uh, technology, uh, even developing patented technology around it so that uh, we're doing things differently from a lot of other people. You've got me, you know, cherry picking my career as I do now, you know, whether it's documentary film work or my music or writing another book. Um, so I'm in a good place in my career to say, yeah, this is something I could have fun with and really focus on. Um, uh, and uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's a, to that end. Right place, right time, for sure. So how did the partnership between you and the production company begin with Cream Productions? Well, David and I uh, were originally partners uh, way back in the very first days of Survivor Man. I had, I had done the, a couple of pilots on Survivor Man, and then David and I kind of teamed up to try to see if we could get it sold uh, and, and turned into a series. And, um, and but we parted ways amicably a little bit later on after that so I could focus on my thing and he could focus on his. Uh, the reality is that we, we always remain friends, and so uh, I don't know. We I think we were just talking at some point, but well, no, I think he did reach out to me, and it was a matter of hey, you know, we're, they must have had a conversation where they were looking at the VR work they were doing and developing, and said, you know, what would be perfect for this would be Survivor Man, and you know, maybe somebody probably went, oh crap, we got to call it Strav. Oh. But <laughs> either way, they called, and I'm like, yeah, man, this is cool, let's do it, yep. and um, and so then. Proceeding forward, uh, you know, and I'm I'm a straight at you guy when it comes to doing any kind of business with I I almost talk too much, but I, I have to get it all out up front so we all have that clear understanding of where we're starting from. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm not going to do something that puts out bogus information. I have to. This has to be, you know, in keeping with the how I teach, which is what I've only really ever done has been. Like being a teacher, you know, um, that's what I do. I teach, you know, for Survivor Man, I taught survival skills, and even that was was part and parcel of of the actual mission of just connecting people to nature. And these guys, they they're like, yeah, that's what you're there for, you, you know. And uh, true to form, uh, Andrew McDonald and Irene uh, and the team, uh, they never flinched once. So moving forward in terms of developing the technology, I I maintain that first original. Uh, business connection and meeting with them is like, look, guys, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. You're going to hate me. But in the end, this is going to be something we can be proud of. Yeah. And in part of that whole development process, was it at all important for you that it came from a, develop a Canadian developer, a Canadian team that was helping you work on this project? In some respects, yeah, because I'm Canadian and I love working in Canada and I love, I love my Canadian connection. Um, but, you know, I also connect with other companies around the world as well. So, you know, if it had to come from the United States or Britain or someplace like that, I still would have been open to it. 
but it's a sweet spot that it's Canadian. Yeah. So Survivor Man concluded its final run in 2016. What was the experience kind of returning to the series? Like, albeit in a new approach. 2018. 2018, sorry. 2018. Yeah. I'm sorry, the question was, I interrupted you. Yeah, and how was it? uh, No, you were were correcting me, and that's okay. Um, How was it going back to the series? I be, you're not, it's not going to be what the TV show was, but now you're technically, you're still, you're doing it all over again, just at at a different median. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the risk of, you know, sounding, uh, I don't know, jaded or complacent, which I'm not, um, it's easy. I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, this is a skill set that I've honed over 40 years, well, let me think, 35 years now. You know, so you, know, you want to go for a walk with me right now in the woods? I mean, there's, there's nothing I can't pick apart and talk about this or talk about that. And I'm always learning. But that aside, it's like, yeah, this is, you know, here's where you build a shelter. Here's how you would make a fire. Here's, a, here's what you can eat, you know. Um, so, and I've never really left it. You know, I continue on my, my YouTube channel is my most vibrant, my, my second most vibrant documentary film um, platform to, to do stuff because my YouTube channel has all the Survivor Man, Survivor Man Bigfoot, Beyond Survival, Wild Harvest, Surviving Disasters. So I, I, I'm still doing these director's commentaries and other things that way so i'm always my fingers always still in the pie and i'm still involved um but we're also we're not talking about something that i once documented we're talking about something that i once documented that i also lived and breathed so uh, those skills those skills haven't left me and they 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 can't i'm too much of a geek on them so they never will well you're you're saying you're learning what what was the biggest thing you learned from this um well I would say on a deeper level, it's, it's a constant learning of how to get this information across, how to get people to understand it on an entirely new platform. And how do you talk about, you know, dealing with cold and hunger uh, and, and, and fires in a VR game? That's tricky. Uh, and so it, it, it's, but, but it is just another. The, the good thing is the information is still the same information. Just how do you portray it? How do you get it across in this this avatar? You know, I'm an avatar in the game. You know, I had a lot of fun being that. Um, but how do we get this across? And so, you know, Andrew and I worked on a lot of different scripting ways and this and that, and then and then it would come back to me sort of in a, in a rough form, and I'd go, oh, you're going down the wrong road here. We need to bring it back this way." So, yeah, that was that was that was definitely a learning. How 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 would how much of a like finger to the pulse do you have on like the video game industry like when you stepped into this project was this kind of like a whole different beast that you were kind of trying to trying to tackle or did you kind of have some sort of previous exposure to vr simulations that sort of thing to kind of have a baseline understanding to be like okay this is exactly my vision and how we can kind of adopt it towards like a digital landscape Mm -hmm. well i will say kind of with smurf that um you know, funnily enough, people who got into Survivor Man, there's almost like a mythology around it, you know, and I think people think when I, if I come to visit them, I'm going to go sleep out in the backyard in the grass. Said, uh, <laughs> no, where's the hot tub and where's my king-sized bed? Uh, so, I mean, which is all to say that I'm not a Luddite, you know, I've always been, you know, technology forward. And, and so uh, whether we were doing, whether it was the filmmaking for Survivor Man, working in 360, uh, filming, which I, which I actually won an award for, um, 
And for gaming, you know, my son and I, when he was younger, we were big Call of Duty fanatics and played constantly in Call of Duty. So um, I'm not ignorant. I wasn't ignorant to the process. Uh, am I a gamer now? No, I'm not. But um, uh, life's game enough. Uh, but uh, definitely not a lot. I'm definitely familiar with it. And so, so, you know, things weren't that strange to me once we got going. Yeah. In part of the game's de development, you were, and you just mentioned it before, you were digitized and turned into an avatar that appears and speaks. Um, we, we called it a force ghost uh, earlier when we were talking about it to give a little Star Wars reference there. Between the uh, photogeometry booth and the, the mocap, was that your, what was that experience like to you? Pure fun. I mean, yeah. it's cool as hell, you know, it's just great to just go and play with technology. And, and when you've got these other experts in the room and, you know, I get to be the guy I get to, you know, I get to dress up in the suit. Everybody wants to dress up in the suit. I get to be the guy who dresses up in the suit, you know, um, going in the booth, but, you know, everybody wants to see themselves designed as an avatar by millions of dollars worth of equipment. I got to be that guy. <laughs> so, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say it was, it wasn't a, a lot of fun and working with Andrew and, and, uh, Irene were always uh, was always terrific. Uh, uh, is always terrific. So uh, they get me. They understand me, and and uh, and I know where they're coming from. So yeah, total fun. No, uh, I, I I can only imagine. I mean, just having you know a background uh, knowledge of what goes into development and everything. I feel like just stepping into that booth, having your your body scanned and everything. That must be like a whole bunch of fun and a very surreal experience for sure, compared to you know anything else that really goes into gaming development too. Yeah, and, and you know, for me, I've always, and this sort of reflects back on your other question there, I've always lived in two worlds. One is very technological. So when I, even, even when I was doing Survive Man series, I was split down the middle. Half of me was a filmmaker, dealing with cameras and cards and digital works and, and setting up this and telling the story and how to capture it, all those issues. The other half of me was a dude trying to survive. And I've always enjoyed playing in both worlds. I could go in the same day from a dugout canoe in the Amazon jungle and just be helicoptered, you know, north to Vegas and hop on stage and rock out with Slash. And I, I could do that in the same day without a, a hint of cultural uh, shock. You know, people would ask, do you go through a lot of culture shock? No, no. I mean, because to me, being in the wilderness is as natural as breathing. But I was raised in the city which means that's as natural as breathing too. So I love bouncing back and forth between high technology and these very, in many ways, primitive earthy skills. Mm -hmm. And I guess having that kind of dual um, experience within you know, the, the survival element and then the digitized element as well, how much influence did you have on what the events that took place in the game? Like, you know, the bulk of the, the game, at least the first half, you know, you're dropped into the, the snowy wilderness and now you're, you're surviving a helicopter crash. You're, I don't want to spoil the game for anyone out there that's listening, but um, how much of that came from you and how much of that came from just the creative team approaching you and saying, all right, well, what would someone do in this scenario? Well, there's two different questions you asked there, and I'll answer the first question that you did originally ask first, and that's yeah. how much influence did I have? Absolute and total. I don't work any other way. You know, whether I'm making a film or working in my music or whatever, my influence will always be absolute and total because in the end, well, I could go down a big rabbit hole here, but, you know, in the end, it's my name on it out there. It's me out there. I'm the one who's got to go be, I'm the one who's got to be interviewed by you guys. So... I don't want to have to be here explaining for the, the shoddy work that someone else did, you know, under my watch sort of thing. So how much influence? 
it will always be that way in my life. Absolutely total, because I only got this one life to live. I want to be really proud of it. But the other part of the question was uh, involvement. Now, that's different. That's a different question. Or, or actually, it's more where did it come from? So there, I'm, you know, I'm, when I work with people who, who are far more talented and, and, and more skilled than I am in a certain area, I got to go with their call on things. So in this case, it would be Andrew and his team. And it's a matter of, like, for example, why choose an, uh, a mountain in the Arctic and a helicopter crash? Why go there? Was that, that was Andrew. Because, and, and I didn't, like, I could have said, look, you know, if you really want to do this, we need to start properly. Let's do it in the temperate forest in Ontario. Let's make it around, like, summertime. Let's say, like, that's, if I was taking you out, that's how I would probably do it, right? We don't mm-hmm. start with something. We don't start with being in a helicopter crash on the top of a mountain. But Andrew <laughs> and his team, they're, they're developing what they want to develop based on the technology that they're also developing. And I don't want to get in the way of that. So fine, they lay that on me, and I and then I go, uh, okay, but whoa, whoa, whoa on this part, or that's going to be fun. That'll be a really cool teaching moment, and don't ever do that, you know. And all those, that's that's how we sort of work together, including you know. And I know you're going to probably ask about new versions, same sort of thing moving forward. I mean, I could push my. I the thing is, I'm confident enough that I can react to whatever they want to throw at me in terms of survival. So if they're stoked about doing something in the jungle or the Arctic or a tropical island or a temperate forest or a desert, good. We'll start there. What do you want to do? You want to do desert now? Okay, let's go. And then I let them go with it. And then, you know, I'll get, and, and, and sometimes the feedback is, no, don't do that, Andrew. I, that, that wouldn't even make any. I know it sounds cool, Andrew, but don't do it. And, and they, they always acquiesce. Right. Yeah. Cause I was very curious going through it myself of like how much def- like came from you and your guidance versus how much of this fits only because it's, you know, the video game mold. It's supposed to engage the player. It's supposed to keep them on their toes. Um, so that's, that's very interesting to have that well, kind of perspective. Well, and I'll say just to add to that is that, you know, um, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that Andrew would bring in that is definitely survival, but he, He's not getting it fully correctly, so I would work with him on, on those other details. But there are a couple of sections where it's like, where I do compromise. Don't see me as totally uncompromisable. Where I'm like, okay, I get how that would be fun. All right, let's 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 hop on a on a board and slide down the mountain. You know, because you know what, yeah. I actually have done that. So I'm like, I can't say I haven't done that. So okay, I you know I don't advise it, but. Or let's get in the kayak that we've made up and go <laughs> down the river. You know, those are far, those are those moments where you're gaming at that point, right? Like, right. See people doing it, right? And so, yeah. But there was another one that uh, probably will end up because they spent time working on it. But I was really kind of pooing on on, and that was um, squat flipping down into uh, the sort of into a glacier and having to make your way through the glacier to get out. And I'm like, never gonna happen, dude never going to happen like <laughs> so i had a hard time with that one i think but they'd already spent a lot of time working on it now i think they know not to go don't go too far down a certain direction to have only to have me you know speaking on a broader step you know what that makes me makes me the the bad guy in the room because i'm in the room every so look how exciting this is we're doing this. i'm like guys that's so not survival uh, and but it's fun it's, yeah i get it's fun but it's really not survival and we never, so now I'm, I'm saying no, you know, and, yeah. and that makes me the bad guy. So now, but we, we're developing this relationship and they trust me. So, and anyway, 
they're going to have so much fun no matter what they're developing. And I say, no, no, we can't, we can't go slide down through a glacier, but you know what we could do? And then I try to give them something else they could do that's just fun. Well, yeah. I, I, I found it <laughs> hilarious because um, as someone who watched the TV show, and when you start off, if you drop your knife at the very beginning, it tells you to pick up the knife and it gives you the tip. But like almost every episode of Survivor Man, you always talked about how important your knife is. And that's literally the first lesson it gives you in the beginning of the game, which I thought was is definitely your influence. And I thought it was, oh, it was, yeah. it was pretty hilarious. That's, that's me. That's me. And in the more nuances of it, you know, um, there was a design on the uh, sparking of the, the, the flip steel and getting it. And it, they had it wrong. You know, it was just like, no, it would not go to flame that fast. You can't, you can't do that. Like, don't have it do that, you know. Um, or uh, snaring the rabbit. It's like, all right, look at it. You know, originally it was just like the rabbit was just going to run through the snare. Like, that's never going to happen in a million years. You have to build the corral. You have to make it a funnel. You have to make it so the rabbit will go through. So we patiently, painstakingly worked on that. And that's the areas where I won't let them screw up. Now, another one we worked together on was uh, going down the rope. Uh, and that was tricky because theoretically you can do it, but you, you should know how to do some certain knots, use a prefix loop or what have you. The problem there is not on me or on Andrew or on the concept. The problem there is the limits of technology because you right. can't show finger dexterity. Right? Yep. You can't tie, you know, you can't, you can't do like I could do in a video. So there we just both, Andrew and his team and I have to compromise and to say, you know what, we can do it this way and do it that way. It's like picking something up. It, it really all you do is sort of motion towards it. Boom, it's in your hand. Like things like that. That's just the technology. And uh, I have to compromise in those areas. Yeah. Well, one of the things I, I really respected out of the game was how in-depth and it kind of focused and prioritized the more like laborious tasks that go into survival, like, oh, carry X amount of rocks. Like you're talking about uh, creating the snare. It's not just grab two and away you go. It's like, no, go out and grab nine because we're going to actually make you work for this part, this aspect of the survival journey. Um, was that, uh, again, uh, something that you prioritized that it wasn't just, hey, we're going to gloss over these kind of tasks we're, or we're actually going to make players, you know, work for this, uh, this aspect. Oh, absolutely. I can't, look, I'm, I, in my brain, remember what I first said, in my brain, it's a simulation. Uh, game. Yeah. So being a simulation, you better simulate it right. You don't have a helicopter pilot learning or learning to become one simulate wrongly in how to fly a helicopter, right? Same thing here. I don't want them... You know, I don't want anybody walking away thinking you can make a rabbit snare with one rock and a piece of rope. You know, this has got to be done correctly. Um, and I'll touch on something else in the game. You know, but how do you equate be getting cold, getting tired, getting hungry? That's a tricky one. And that was where, you know, and we're still working on it all the time. That's where the watch came up. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, if you're in the game and you're doing all these activities, come what may. But all this time's passed, and you've walked over to the helicopter, you've walked over to that cliff, and you've walked it. Well, in the real world, you'd be getting exhausted, and you'd be getting cold. So your watch mm -hmm. starts to remind you. Uh, you realize you've been going a long time with no calories, no water, and it's freezing up here. And your fires, you haven't attended to your fire in ages because you've been busy building snowshoes. So, like, you go, oh, crap. You wanted to go to the helicopter. You've got to run back and feed the fire. You know, or it's going to go out and you're going to have to spend the night here. So, so that was a pretty a good, I, 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 I liked that incorporation. That was all the team. 
That wasn't me at all. But it, but it might have been spurred on by me saying, how are we going to deal with hypothermia? You know, and that was the way to do it. I, I called it the death watch. Because you just look yeah. at your wrist and you're like, well, I know when I'm going to die. If I just figure I just don't want to die, but I can see what I'm about to if I don't figure this out quick. Well, and, and if, if you were with me on that mountain in the Arctic, it, the, the watch is, is almost like another version of my voice in a silent way. I'd be saying, is the fire going to be okay for us if we leave it right now? How cold are you, man? Like, you're looking pretty cold. You're shivering. You know, that, the, the watch does that for us. Well, what I find, what we find most crazy is we've gotten to the point in technology where Survivor Man experience can be rep, replicated digitally. Like, as someone who grew up watching the show um, and then playing the video game, I, I'll give it to you. Like, there was a lot of reminiscence of my my late 20s, and I'm just like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Because it's just, I could hear you, even when, like, you see the helicopter off in the distance. And it's like, you could walk to it, but, like, you might die if you do this. And, like, I could just hear you from the TV show. So, throughout your career, did you ever think this component of your life could be simulated in such a degree ah. no <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not being falsely modest here um you know it, it's um you know in your wildest fantasies and dreams as a kid in that you know you, you, you go to certain places where, where you could be or what you could do but i mean way back in the beginning of all of this you know this all hinges off of one moment of me saying, boy, you know what? If I really wanted to teach these survival skills, I should film myself doing it. But instead of just filming myself doing it, talking about it, I should actually be out there for a few days and have to act and need the fire. Yeah, that'd be a cool way to film it. Okay, that was in 1987. Oh, wow. Now look at where we're at, you know? And um, I'm thrilled and honored with a touch of braggadocio that I get to claim that Without what I created with Survivor Man, you wouldn't have enough, uh, a multi-hundred million dollar industry out there, hundreds of millions of, of, of survival television. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's still, it, you know, if you look at the very first Survivor Man, for example, and the very last Survivor Man, they're still the same. I didn't have to change a thing. I didn't have to chase after glory or sensationalism. I didn't have to show you how to build shelter. You know, because that's all I was ever doing was teaching, facilitating a set of skills to help you get back out in nature. And the VR version of this, just another platform. You know, I grew up watching Jacques Cousteau and Tarzan. So television convinced me to want to be an adventurer. And what is Survivor Man if not the hybrid between Jacques Cousteau and Tarzan? So I look at VR and gaming as just another platform technological though it might be, there are people who can't get outside. Right. Right. So, you know, on a more altruistic level, this is also for them. Why not, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, Survivor Man VR covers two basic, like, uh, big grandiose kind of survival um, experiences. Has releasing this game kind of seen the early reception for it now kind of sparked an interest to continue pursuing more entries into this? Um, are there, are you already brainstorming like what other crazy ways you can put a player in, in, uh, in VR? Uh, short answer is absolutely. And yeah, yeah. You know, um, brainstorming wait, don't now this is confident. Don't need to. Um, all, all <laughs> we need is, is what's the scenario, Andrew? Yeah. And so for example, uh, Andrew's got a particular scenario he'd like to do next. 
I said, well, I don't know. I'd rather go there. But you know what? I'm happy to start and work from his platform forward. And so now I'm like, okay, so we're going to be there and that's the scenario. Okay, let's go. And so, yeah, the, the interest for me, it, it's and based on that other uh, uh, question you asked earlier, Cor, which, which on, on, you know, did I ever see this coming sort of thing? Uh, it's, I don't even want to think about that too much. I just want to, I just want to bask in it, you know, and, and just go like, ah, it's, it's, it becomes a big fat, how cool is this moment, you know? Yeah, no, I, I can only imagine. And uh, I mean, jumping off of that as well, are there any aspirations to do a, like another game outside of the VR space? Like, is there ever going to be a less Stroud skin in Fortnite? Are you, are you look, looking for like more broad uh, aspirations within the video game space? Well, there's two ways in which I, I sort of operate my, my life, whether it's professionally. That sound does look kind of cool like that, doesn't it? There you go. Yeah. Um, that I operate my life uh, professionally. Uh, and, and one is going to be, um, what do I want to do, you know, moving forward? And I'm very focused on, for example, this year is a big year for me musically. I'm putting out a ton of music, two brand new albums, uh, and a ton of catalog music that I have not put out. So I'm doing a lot musically. My children's book is doing phenomenal and won four national awards. Um, Wild Harvest, the TV series, is coming out uh, in June 1st uh, for season three. So I, this, is me, this is me forward, right? But and so I'm not necessarily forward in the gaming world and the VR world of what I want to do. Now, the VR side of it, it's rolling. It is now rolling, you know, and I, you know, I, I hedged. I waited to see how this, how's this going to go. We could have spent the whole two years and done, and it flopped, you know, which it didn't. It's doing really great. Um, so the second way I do things in life is what comes at me by chance, you know, and, and um, I believe there's a sentence of, you know, I'm an opportunist. That's what I, that's, there's no negative connotations for me in being an opportunist. It just means I seek out the opportunities. I notice the opportunities. I recognize them. And in the gaming and the VR, um, perhaps this particular uh, Survivor Man VR will spur that on. And some other company that will approach me on a different platform of gaming and saying, well, look, we see now that you're into this, so, you know, how would you think about doing X or Y or Z? Mm -hmm. So uh, always wide open to it, for sure. So have you ever heard the term touch grass? Yes, depending on what you mean. That, so does it at all resonate with you? Because, like, in gamers, like, for, for, for in gamers' <laughs> term, they always tell us to go outside and touch grass because we've been playing video games way too much or our opinions have just become so jaded. They're like, yeah, you just need to go out and touch grass. Does, does that term ever resonate with you? It not only resonates with me, but it's part of the essence of who I am and what I teach and what I do. Right. Look, and again, again, everything is a facilitation of how can I get you back out in nature or to follow from you, how can I get you back out to touch grass? One of the episodes coming up of Wild Harvest, that's exactly what I showed. I went out and I, I was walking through the woods and I took my boots off and then I was barefoot and I sat on a log barefoot and I talk about this, about receiving the energy of the earth through my, your body this way. Um, so yeah, removing the barriers of your body and your system uh, between you and nature is vital to me. Um, and as I said, I, I, I'm not a technophobe. You know, I've got a recording studio, I'm a musician, I, you know, all this stuff, this whole VR thing. But Life is nature, and nature is life. When I say nature, I mean the natural world. 
And uh, you can go your whole life without it, but that, that's, that's horrifying to me. Uh, and I think it's necessary. I say have fun with the VR, have fun with gaming. But yeah, the touch grass aspect, the Sinrin Yoku, the forest bathing, the beauty, here's the, I'll end it this way, the beauty of that is that whether you want it to or not, when you're in nature, it's healing you. Whether you want it to or not, it's making you stronger. It's de-stressing you. Whether you want it to or not, that's the beauty and the power of the natural world. So a couple of hours or an hour, you know, doing my VR game, okay, now get outside, touch some grass, breathe in the air, you know, talk about aromatherapy, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how much this will even show you, but I mean, I can go out there and, uh, you know, and I can... Oh, I wow. Can, well, there's some snow just, there. Uh, yeah. re, you're being bombarded by a billion combinations of aromatherapy just by being in nature. That's, that's everything to me, actually. Yeah. Uh, what's your perspective on how influential uh, Survivor Man has been in pop culture over the years? My 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 biggest touchstone has been, um, you know, The Office parroting uh, Survivor Man back in the day. Uh, like, what's your reaction been like to to see uh, like other pieces of pop culture like riff on on your work in in a positive way, of, of course. Yeah, I mean, The Office, uh, King of the Hill, right. uh, Modern Family. Um, who else? There's another one too. Um, and oh, nothing short of again. It's like how cool is this? When the when the office one happened, the cool thing about that was, you know, I'd already done a lot of stuff, but I wasn't I was like I'm still doing my thing. And and uh, you know, all of the copycat shows had just you know kind of come out, and we're all there now. And and yet there's the office in its. By the way, in its Best, like its biggest season that it ever had, yep. the biggest show it ever had, right in the middle of season four, and it's this episode called Survivor Man. Now, I knew it was coming out because they had called me, and I was going to get to be on the show. Right. But then what happened was the writer's, the writer's stroke, uh, strike happened. Yeah. So they had to stay with what they'd written. Steve Carell only ever wrote two episodes of The Office, and that was one of them. Yep. And so I got to see it when it, went, when it came out on television that night. So I'm sitting there, having never seen it, watching it like that way, like like you know, going home and watching yourself on TV for the very first time. Obviously, wasn't the case for me, but in that situation, and I was like, "Wow, does this, does this mean like I, I've arrived? Does this mean I made it? <laughs> it was the coolest thing ever." So I think, you know, I mean, we could go down a big, deep rabbit hole of my upbringing and background, and you know all the dark stories artists like to bring up and say, oh, yeah, well, this is how it was when I was young. I could do that. But for some weird reason, I've lived with this strange sense of kind of unwarranted confidence uh, to, to do things no matter what everybody else is saying. And I was told, by the way, when I first pitched Survivor Man by the head of Discovery Channel, quote, unquote, no one will ever want to watch people survive on television last Really? We used to watch it before going to the bar. Like when it, we would not go out <laughs> until it aired. And then we would like, because I was in like, like 26, 25 when it was, uh, was on air. So I'm aging myself. But it was the thing. We were like, oh, we have to watch it. Like we're not going to go to the bar and then not watch it. Because that was also back in the day when you, you didn't record television. You watched it live when it came out. And yeah. we used to make sure we'd watch your show before we went out that night. 
Oh, and there were there's there were college drinking parties based on Survivor Man. Every yeah. time he says sustenance, we have to take a shot. Uh, you know, if he says it's going to be a long night, got to take a shot. You know, so it's hard to answer your question, Steve, because you know you're filled with you don't like you're you're really filled with the feelings of you know uh, braggadocio and hubris and pride combined with humility and like holy crap, really, uh, and and just uh, just unbelief. Uh, uh, you're trying to keep. So the thing is, I knew what I wanted. I knew what I wanted from the beginning. I just really wanted to teach these skills to get you back out in nature. And right. keeping that as my my mission uh, enabled me to have fun when all this stuff happens. You know, so. Hearing like that, that's a great story to hear. Or the college ticket parties or, or ending up on Jimmy Fallon and Ellen. I took all those things in stride, but I'm just a Canadian dude from the West End of Toronto. You know, grew up in the 70s. So I'm, a, I'm, I'm not a fish out of water, but I'm definitely not part of Hollywood. I go down there and I just, like, I just observe it all. You know, as a Canadian guy going down and observing it going, oh my gosh, these people are whacked. Um, <laughs> but it's a, it's a funny thing. So... You know, clearly, um, because the sun's coming around here. Clearly, uh, I'm uh, I'm proud of the whole scenario. I mean, what else could I do to answer that question? That I'm that I'm not proud. No, I'm very proud of it. You know, um, but it doesn't doesn't find me as a human being, as a soul. You know, um, and it's got nothing to do with my own sense of spirit and, and connectedness to the world. So that, those things are, will always be more important. So all I can really do, Steve, in seeing all of the what's everything that's come off of the back of Survivor Man, and I know there's some people out there that would argue with me. Oh yeah, you weren't first. Ray versus Ray versus. Yes. No. 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 This cultural cultural thing of survival television came off the back of Survivor Man, and that's totally showable. So I can be here with that kind of braggadocio, that kind of claim. Uh, but in the end, I just look at all of that and just I, I, I shake my head and think, okay, that's pretty cool. Maybe maybe I'm not the the lazy, you know, know nothing, never going to make it anywhere 14-year-old that I used to be. Maybe I'm not that, you know. And then, of course, that spurs you on to other things. Like, well, what do you do with this responsibility now? Where do you take it? How much do you take it responsibly? Or do you just not care and have fun? You know, right. and, or everything in between, and um, I have a sense of responsibility, but I also I'm still just that dude. <laughs> I love it. So, are you familiar with the YouTube channel, The Outdoor Boys? I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the resurgence and the popularity of online true to life outdoor survival content? Because it's it's making it's making a huge comeback. Not just like you know Survivor, yeah. the TV show that's just scripted, but it's um it's more of what we were just talking about. Yeah. I mean, I can sit here and go, truly honestly, I can sit here and go, I know where that came from. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can I can do that. <laughs> right. I'm the one guy on this planet that can actually do that. Notwithstanding bear grills and man ver uh, dual survival and all that stuff. Because again, none of those exist without survivor men. So now you're talking to YouTube things like a whole new generation that and um some of it is like I, I refuse to feel like let myself up to go like, hey, that's my 
stuff. Why, you know, so I understand I look at it going, okay, good on you, buddy. Go for it, man. Have, have fun with it. I've, you know, been there, done that, you know, and, and, and so I think that those that are doing something very derivative of what started with Survivor Man, it's a little bit like, you know, just so derivative. But those that take it into a new place, go to a new direction, I love that. I love seeing it. There's a guy out there, not the outdoor boys. There's another guy who does just shelters. And he clearly takes a long time to make these beautiful underground shelters. I think he did one with Saran Wrap. See, to me, that's oh, wow. cool. That's yeah. taking it, and he's doing something, like, off like that. Outdoor boys is great. Um, I'm a little bit like, I don't get it. Because it really is a lot of me with the difference being he's got lots of food he's got all the gear he's got big equipment he gets dro- driven in he's not doing those things in one day by the way that's one thing is you look at something i i know how, what it takes to build that and even with food in your system you didn't build that in one day but it's always set that way so funny i was thinking about this yesterday because i was talking to someone uh, who's a filmmaker when i was at the outdoor adventure show a couple of days ago and when you're a film producer, you can watch all of these shows, including the, the stuff on YouTube. And, and I'll say it this way. You can see the cheats a mile, a mile away. But the viewing audience can't. Sure. I've never really understood why the viewing audience can't see the cheat. And again, I've been running camera for a long time and been a filmmaker for a long time. So I can just look at it and say, well, of course it's cheating. You know, that's to me, you know. So... All I would really want out of what they're doing, not that who cares what I want out of what they're doing, they're having a good time and making great money at it. And, and so it would be, my preference is authenticity. Authenticity and realism, you know. Tell us, let's, let's know exactly, you know, what you're doing. Um, so how do I feel about them? This is a weird question on it all because how do I feel? I don't know. It's just another one of those things where I can look and go, yeah. So they're making really good money. In many cases, probably better money than I ever made. And you know what? I used to say that about Bear Grylls. Godspeed, man. Go to the bank. Back, take it all the way to the bank if you like. You know. But I never. That wasn't what I was about. Same thing with the VR thing. I made a penny off this VR thing. It, to me, it's about accomplishing and and putting these this good energy out in the world with the stuff you do. My music. I'm not gonna make a penny off my music. You know. Well, maybe I will. Who knows? But but the reality is, I don't care. You know. My children's book I just wrote. Well, that's good. It's not about the money for me. Hmm. So I think it's pretty cool. And you're right. Quite a big resurgence. Uh, I will say this, that on my YouTube channel, I've said, if you guys get me to a million subs, I will do a new Survivor Man. Classic new Survivor Man. Wow. And I'm not going to say it here in this interview, but I have a way of doing it that nobody else has done. And I don't know if anybody else is thinking about it, but nobody else has done it. And I'm going to do it this other way. Um, but it will be classic Survivor Man, and um, and we're only 200,000 subscribers away from that now. So we're get, we're at 800,000 subscribers. We get to one million, I'm gonna go out and do a new Survivor Man. And honestly, this comes with a lot of um, oh, tongue-in-cheek kind of like, all right, everybody, let me show you how this is done. That's gonna <laughs> be my attitude when I go out there um, because you know. So much of what has been done by both all of the, the television craze that happened, but then also the YouTube stuff has just been faked and forged. And, uh, and uh, uh, that's never going to be my style. Right. And in the spirit of that, uh, I, 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 I want to ask you, like, 
over your career, over all the excursions you've taken, what has been like one of the adventures there that has made you the most nervous or that you look back on and you're like, oh, this is this is crazy that I've lived through this and I have these experiences now? Um, well, the cliche answer would be some sort of crazy thing that happened on Survivor Man, like going down a mountain in Norway or something, yeah. like, uh, like Kalahari heat stroke. But the, 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 the deeper, more profound experience would have been the year filming the series called Beyond Survival, uh, where I did all of the ceremonies and survived with all of the indigenous cultures. Well, what didn't really get shown except for the last three minutes of each episode was the ceremonial aspect. And those were deep and profound, and some were a little bit nothing, was was a nothing burger, but but uh, a lot of them were, were were changed my life. Filming that series Beyond Survival changed my life. Why would it change my life? Because the business of Survivor Man, the business of survival television, had become so big that the business was getting in between me and nature. It was getting in between me and my ability to touch the grass. And so Beyond Survival was a a, a sort of veiled uh, um, desire by me to get back in touch with nature. And so that whole year, 10 months of filming that series, and we're actually now doing a re-edit on it right now, and I'm going to release it, where it's going to be all of nothing but the ceremonies. Because oh, wow. the Gumby Channel couldn't handle the ceremonies. It freaked them out. So they, oh, we just want to see you going and hunting with a bow and arrow after a monkey with an indigenous person. And that's what they wanted to see, right? So yeah. that's what they that's what they got. But um, I'm redoing. So that 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 was a big year for me that that really touched me and changed me in a profound way. It brought me back in touch with nature. So I, I want to have a little fun with this one, as a as a, f a fellow Canadian and, and growing up with the culture and the music here. What is your Canadian musician Mount Rushmore? So you give me your your top influences yeah. from growing up. Well, top influences. Clearly, classic rock. That's my era. So, full on, whatever you think, classic rock. And when I say classic rock, I don't mean Guns N' Roses. Oh, I know. That, that would be me. That, I'd be classic rock, Guns N' right. Roses. Um, and, but I also grew up with the influence of, of uh, folk and even more obscure folk. So, sure, there were the James Taylors and Joni Mitchells, but there were also the Steve Goodmans, John Primes, and Bruce Coburns. And I uh, was fortunate enough to be best friends still am with, a, with a, a guy who had like seven brothers older. And so they brought all this David Bromberg and people like that, these obscure names that no 17-year-old in the middle of the 70s would ever hear of. But I did. And I loved that. I was also a big fan of prog rock, um, which then prog rock led me into enjoying uh, classical. And now my wife and I are on a big jazz kick, you know. So the influences, certainly when I was younger, was, was, was that. It was a combination. I'm glad that it was a mixture. You know, I love Jesus Christ Superstar, for example, like show stuff. Elton John was, a, was my, the biggest, you know, Good Biologic Road, that era. So Elton John. So now, the, but the Mount Rushmore, because I have experienced some wonderful things. I played on stage with Alice Cooper twice and his son. You know, and I played on stage with The Flash and Johnny Lang and Journey several times. Those are huge. But um, I actually kind of recently hit a recent Mount Rushmore, and that was Bruce Coburn plays on my new album. Oh, wow. And I've done a bit of writing with Bruce, and I've played live with him, and he scored one of my film, The Lost, with, with me and for me. Um, and, you know... Bruce Coburn was an artist that I was into when I was 14 years old. Nobody knew who he was then. He was still sitting down playing classical guitar by himself. And then, you know, I felt um, 
fiercely uh, protective of him when, when he came out with Tokyo and wondering where the lions are and became a, a name in Canadian, sort of around Canadian pop culture. But I was already a big fan, you know. So being able to have a Bruce on my upcoming album, that is a right away a Mount Rushmore moment for me. But a second one would probably involve what I'm working on right now. I'm working on a, an Earth concert, which is a live charitable concert featuring special guests um, where the money will go towards charities, which on the ground conservation organizations. And depending on who I get out at that concert, you know, if I could get, you know, an Eddie Vedder or a Dave Matthews out there to play with me, I, I already have commitments from some very big names. Wow. Um, and if I could, and you know what? I, I would love to meet Elton John. I mean, never mind all the other stuff around Elton. I get it. I probably wouldn't want to hang out with him. But just, you know, that's a, that would be just, just to, you know, because his influence on me musically was, was so big. And then, um, you know, sometimes we'd ask, you know, who would you go and want to have dinner with or sit by a campfire with if you had the choice? You know, it would be John Denver. Country so, again, you know, you forget all of the folkiness and everything of, of John Denver. His lyrics and his thing. I feel like musically, I'm picking up where he left off. He was all about nature. Even one of the greatest love songs of all time, Annie's song, is all nature metaphor. That's what I do, my music is about. So I don't know, you know, do we ever have the, the Mount Rushmore? I think it's more a series of mini Mount Rushmores along the way. But this most recent one with Bruce, certainly, and, and Bruce and I become friends, and which now transcends you away from your... I have this thing with, with for example, where we get together in any situation, uh, every once in a while I go, okay, Bruce, I got a fan question. I, always, I let myself have one fan question. In the song, I wonder where the lions are. What did you mean by, so I allow myself one fan question and then we drop it and, and share a scotch. And that's, that's it. Because <laughs> when you have these Mount Rushmore moments, like I was saying about being the filmmaker or being Survivor Man, and while well, I'm doing that kind of filming, you're up two months, same thing. I go on stage a journey. In one moment, I got to look out at 12,000 people and go, this is the coolest thing ever. I'm about to play. And then on the other hand, I have to go, okay, compose yourself. You're a kick-ass blues harmonica player. Get out there and kick some ass. Doesn't matter, you know. So, you know, Splash is on my Mother Earth album, you know, and, and Steve Vai. But I'm still having talks. I'll be there having talks with Bruce going, yeah, I don't really like what he did in that part. You know, I told Bruce Coburn at one point, point no, not that. That's me always remembering that regardless of being in, you know, graced by the presence of some greatness there that you always wanted to meet, the same token, like the surf concert coming up from my albums, still me, still my stuff. And, uh, you know, what, and Elton's going to play keyboard on it. Yeah, but he's playing it wrong. <laughs> I'd probably <laughs> say that, you know, because uh, not always, but, you know, it's just a matter of that, that, you know, confidence in yourself, I guess. I don't know, you got me. That's a great ask, question to ask me, Cor, because, um, you know, it's music. You can always go on forever when it comes to music. You, I, especially here, it's, it's interesting because, especially here in Canada, because um, as I have a lot of American friends, they have their heritage growing up, but, like, we could name bands that, you know, from Canada, and people just are like, what? And then you listen to them, you're like, this is like, you know, like the hip, for example, or like even early, any of that stuff that I grew up with in the, the late 80s, early 90s people don't realize how huge those bands were here in Canada and how much it means to us. And then people, they just, they did some, some of them just didn't get that radio play in the U S. Well, no, the cross border thing was always a problem. 
Um, you know, I mean, even bands like April Wine back in the day didn't really get across the border, but the hip didn't get across the border properly. Katie Lang isn't respected across the border properly. Remember Trooper before, you know, before the hip Trooper. My buddies, the Northern Pikes, you know, I've recorded an album with the Northern Pikes and Brian Potvin and Jason, great writers, great performance, didn't get, didn't really get south of the border in pieces here and there. So I live half the time in the States in a, in a town called Grants Pass. And the weirdest thing ever, there's one Canadian band that for some weird reason is big in Grants Pass. And I put it all down to maybe one disc jockey who liked their music, who happened to play it or something like that. And it's Glass Tiger. Oh, my buddy's the guitar tech for them. <laughs> well, and you know, they should go play Grants Pass, Oregon, because okay. they have a huge following down there. But that doesn't mean they have a following everywhere else. And you know, there's, there's the, the Rushes and the Brian Adams. Finally, Rush is getting its due. You know, oh, they're, they're, um, way they're, too late. So you're right. But you know what? I was just talking with somebody this morning. He's going to see an Irish band in um, in Toronto. They're only doing five North American gigs because they're not, they're sort of okay. In Ireland, they, when they go to England, they play Wembley Stadium. Oh, wow. Wow. Not even known of over here. So we do have our country, you know, the people we're proud of from our country, uh, you know, and, and I love Canadian music. And again, you know, being able to have worked with Bruce Coburn is an honor beyond belief. Um, I, I covered a Joni Mitchell song, you know, uh, although Joni and Neil went down there, you know, kind of also very American. Um, like the Bernicke ladies, they, they, then they came back. Bernicke ladies kind of like came back to being Canadian again, but they did yeah, their well, American thing. They had some problems. So if they had to, yeah. Uh, yeah. Neil, well, Young a bit of snow. Another, Neil Young would be another Mount Rushmore. He's the, oh. Walk On is one of my favorite songs of all time. It's just mm-hmm. such a good tune. I, I wanted to ask you a little fun question because as a as a huge hockey fan, um, I my my dad played professional hockey, and so I'm a Boston Bruins fan. So I just want to you know lay it on the line here. I understand for all the Leaf fans. So I was doing a little digging on your Instagram. And I saw that you do follow the Leaf. So I'm assuming I know you. I saw from uh, previous interviews you you definitely play hockey. You used to play in a men's league. I, I understood from reading. So you actually got to see the Toronto Maple Leafs host Stanley Cup, which is like, that's crazy. Like for a lot of Leaf fans now, do you think that's ever going to happen again? <laughs> <laughs> I give up even dreaming about it. Um, I actually got to be uh, the voice of the um, top 100 Maple Leaf players of all time. Um, wow. I, uh, uh, I'm sure they still play these interstitials in, the, in between periods. And what it was was they were lifting the top 100 leaves, and I went in. I, I went up to the booth, the booth above center ice. Mm-hmm. Uh, mind, it wasn't Maple Leaf Gardens, but but still. And uh, we recorded, and I walked through like Davey Keon, blah, 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 you know, joined the Leafs in 19. Blah, blah, blah. They and, still and do those. I was just at the All Star game with my daughter. They still do them. And that's me. Wow, that's I did wife. not know that. Yeah, when you hear my, you'll go, you'll next listen up, next to oh, of course that's Strauss. Oh my God. You know, so uh, that was a thrill. And uh, funnily enough, I only have two autographs that I've ever received. First one was Ken Dryden. Still have it. The second one, on a baseball cap at a charity golf tournament, was Daryl Sittler. And my payment for doing the voice of the Top 100 Leafs was actually Daryl Sittler's sweater autographed. So I have a Daryl Sittler sweater and cap, both autographed by Daryl. So, yeah, I grew up, I mean, I grew up as a kid in the 70s in Toronto. My joke is that it was, it was illegal not to be a hockey fan and not to play hockey <laughs> if you're a kid in the 70s in Toronto. It was also the kiss of death if you weren't good. Um, <laughs> Tell me about it. My dad I, was a professional. I never made it. What's your dad's first name? Is it uh, Bobby Lalonde. Bobby Lalonde. Okay. I know who your dad is then from, from that. So, 
you know, yeah, I, I, I actually just recently said uh, to my wife, you know, I think I should get back and play hockey again because there's some, of course, and I joke that because it would be down in Oregon, it's like, I'm going to show them how Canadians play. Yeah, you might be the best yeah. out there. You go give them a I don't know. Good ones down there. Plus, you know, it takes a long time to get your cardio back. I've got oh. about two, three minutes and I've got a phone call coming in, but uh, yeah. this is, we could talk for another hour, I know. Of course. Yeah. I want to, I want to leave off with one question. I, is, I think it's a very pertinent one. You've spent the last hour hanging out with us last. I'm very curious out of the two of us, which one do you think is most likely to survive in a remote location? Oh, neither of you. You're done. Oh, oh, he's not wrong. I'm totally honest. I, 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 I appreciate it. And I just, I agree with I, you. I could give it to court. I'll tell you why. Only because he's wearing a red plaid shirt. I wore Less. it purposely. It's, Less. It's, we call it where I live, Plaid. We we call this a uh, a dinner jacket. This is our dinner jacket yes. here. Red next dinner jacket. Yeah. I have so many plaid jackets. I did. I screwed up by not wearing it. And now I'm, yeah. 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 Yep. No, it's, it's, it's yeah. The, the plaid is it. Yeah. I, I respect it. But Les, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us this past uh, hour. Uh, again, very excited that uh, Survivor Man VR, The Descent is out now for people to to pick up and play. I highly encourage anyone, Canadian or otherwise, check it out because it, it is a lot of fun. Um, so congratulations on the, on the launch and the success, and I hope to see more from it. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. Yeah, this was an honor to be on this, and uh, this was fun. And I never say this unless it is fun. Let's do this again sometime. All right. Like, thanks, yeah. Les. Okay. Take care. That about wraps up this episode of the Creature Cast. I want to thank Les Stroud for joining us. Also, Court, it was great to see you here today. Uh, to find more news on everything video games, check out consolecreatures.com. Follow the feed, and then you can follow myself as well at SVigvario across all social media. We'll be back with more episodes. I know that Bobby has a very special project that's coming out this week. It's going to be very exciting. Stay tuned for that. But you know what? We'll be here kicking around. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you all tuning in. But until next time, we'll see you.